we're still in an experiment when people are scientifically minded and they want to study things you have to understand it's a process like i was taught that my whole life because science is never settled it's never settled i'm a husband a father a lawyer a christian and a proud canadian i started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth not just another biased narrative but real information of substance we need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gray Matter. Well, I'm often uh, I receive uh, correspondence from people. Uh, usually, it's supportive. When it is supportive, I'm often asked, uh, "Where is everyone else? Where are all the freedom fighters?" Well, you know what? We're out here. I'm not the only one. There are many of us. And the lady we have in the program today uh, is doing a lot in that, in that sphere. And so we're going to talk to her about her involvement in the quote-unquote freedom movement and also some very, very interesting work that she's doing with examining blood and what the COVID-19 vaccines are doing to our blood. Her name is Dr. Lana Nickel. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Leighton. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm very excited to have you on. Your Twitter bio is, is very interesting. It says, I'm a mother of four children, Métis heritage, proud wife, doctor of chiropractic over 20 years, author of a children's health book, and Canadian Alberta Hall of Fame athlete. You're, you're a volleyball superstar, Grant McEwen, and uh, also a certified blood microscopist. And here's the best part. According to at Justin Trudeau, I'm a racist and take up space. <laughs> Trudeau <laughs> uh, backslash Trudeau must go. Or, sorry, sorry. Hashtag Trudeau must go. That's uh, that's one of the best ones I've read. Bravo. Really good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yes, I come from a very diverse background. That's for sure. So, <laughs> so I understand that um, you're originally from the Edmonton area. Your, your, your father was... Uh, the mayor of Shore Park growing up. I'm originally from Edmonton, so we probably grew up around the same around the same time. And uh, but you got to meet uh, some really interesting uh, people like uh, Peter Elzinga, Brian Mulroney, and uh, Pierre Trudeau. How, how did how did being part of a of a, of a family where your 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 father was a mayor? How did that kind of shape your upbringing and your outlook on life? Yeah, you know, looking back on it now, it is just so strange. At the time, it was just my reality. So, you know, I had a father who was very much in the public light. Uh, you know, I saw him public speaking. You know, for me, it was just that's something you do. Uh, you talk to lots of people. Uh, but then I also, you know, he, he had very, very strong ethics and values. He came from a social worker background. He actually worked with uh, troubled teens and suicidal teens. So that's what he was doing prior to going into politics. Uh, but yeah, it was a very interesting time because I did get to meet some interesting players now looking back in Canadian history. And uh, but yeah, being in the light and being in that kind of um, public, you know, you're everyone's aware of who you are is that it was a very wild experience. Um, and I definitely think it has a lot to do with me being active now because I mm -hmm. see so much going on in our political, you know, uh, situation right now that 
I know that I was taught that you got to stand up when things aren't right and you need to speak for the people that might not have a voice themselves and you got to get involved. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have not been involved in politics for a really long time in our country. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, background. And, and ironically, my maiden name is common. So we used to have a, a sign on the house, on our house that said the house of Commons. So I look back on it all now <laughs> and I'm like, wow. That's brilliant. So Lonnie, you mentioned uh, being very active when you were young and and I see that uh, you're very uh, involved in, in health and sports and fitness. And in fact, uh, you became uh, uh, a, a very storied volleyballer at uh, Grant McEwen. And then you went on to study chiropractic and became a doctor there. Uh, and also a certified uh, trainer and wellness coach. How did you get led in that direction following your your sports career? Yeah, well, growing up, um, my parents were a little bit hippie-ish, if you will. <laughs> I think my dad was trying to have a hand at like the farmer gym. And so we lived outside of Short Park on an acreage. My parents were very interested in, um, you know, natural health themselves. Mm -hmm. And so having a big garden, we had our own cattle and sheep and pigs. And so my parents didn't let me eat a lot of the not so fun things, right? Which in retrospect, I'm really thankful for now. Um, but yeah, you know, all of these little experiences in my life of growing up and then being um, an athlete I was involved in many many sports uh, but volleyball ended up being my my big passion uh, mm -hmm. but yeah just you know nourishing the body as an athlete is really important for performance right right and so health and natural wellness approaches were a big part of my life even from growing up um, it is interesting. My father actually uh, got cancer when when I was quite young. So I did get very exposed into Western medicine as well and watch that process of him going through his treatments and what have you. Mm -hmm. And it was another piece of the puzzle for me, you know, when it came time to what I wanted to do and how I wanted to, you know, be of service in my life. And I chose to look into uh, chiropractic and natural health and wellness. Um, you know, I looked at medicine as well. I had the grades. I could done either uh, but I really felt that there was just so much more to helping people truly and it was in line with my athletic background and all of the you know things about really keeping our bodies healthy and clean and powerful so so that's why I ended up doing that so mm -hmm. yeah going down that road and then speaking of going down the road you ended up in California for a dozen years and then you came back and you helped author a book called healing practices to help kids grow up easier why why did you come back to the frozen north after escaping to California. Right. Well, so I moved down there to go to chiropractic school and uh, I did fall in love with the area. I ended up practicing in wine country, California. I had a private practice. Um, it was called Soul Shine Family Chiropractic. And uh, I specialized with babies and kids and pregnant moms. It was always a big passion of mine to help children, especially. And I was really blessed to have some medical doctors actually reach out to me while I was in California and ask me to be a contributing author to that book to contribute the, the uh, chapter on chiropractic and how it can help children. And so it was a really big honor to be a part of that. Um, and yeah, wow, California. Um, well, my college sweetheart, who I met playing volleyball in Edmonton, he's a national champion Bears volleyball player from U of A. Um, oh. We synchronistically met in California and... Uh, here we are. I am back in my hometown and I'm married to my college sweetheart and that's why I'm here. <laughs> so we can expect some 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 nickels are going to be breaking some uh, collegiate sports records. 
Well, we will we will see. The the first nickel, she's 12 and she plays for um St. Albert Club volleyball now. And Derek and I are both my husband, we're both mm-hmm. involved with coaching. And then we have three hockey players as well. So we'll see oh, what wow. happens here. And golfers. Wow. So <laughs> sounds almost like the nurse, the the uh, nurse clan. Uh, we'll see. I don't want to put pressure on them, whatever <laughs> happens, but you know, yeah. we're working vicariously through them now. So <laughs> wonderful. So I want to talk a little bit about how you got uh, pulled into the vortex of uh, the freedom movement. And uh, I saw, I was reading that um, this happened in November of 21, uh, where you got involved. You There there was uh, an incident involving investigation of re- reported crimes of fraud, coercion, extortion, and public excitement incitement of hate. You want to talk about this a little bit? About Was that how you got first involved in sort of the freedom uh, movement. I know you're one of the national directors now for Take Back Our Freedoms, but is that your first taste or did it happen earlier? Um, It actually happened a little earlier. Um, I feel like with the freedom movement itself, like I kind of feel like I've been involved with it for well beyond this whole last three years, (laughs) Uh, just because of the nature of me being very interested in natural health and wellness. It kind of put me on the on the fringe, if you will, right, for a long time. So that some of the things that I've been saying are very contrary to what we hear in Western medicine and what we hear in mainstream. So I was already kind of down this, you know, road anyways. When this all started happening, you know, I immediately had the feelers out. I was like, this is, this makes no sense. Um, You know, I was very concerned that there was going to be some sort of uh, vaccine or something pushed on people in, you know, kind of as the savior of the fear that was happening around us. And so I just started sharing with people the knowledge that I have and how to stay healthy and how to take care of yourself and that you know, we don't really need these things in our bodies to stay healthy because I've studied this. I've, I've been studying, you know, vaccines and different things for over 20 years. So it's uh, it was already a passion of mine. And to be honest, being a mom of four young kids, you know, they range from five to 12. I want to make sure that they always have body autonomy and that they get to choose powerfully what goes in or doesn't go into their bodies. So I started speaking up uh, right away, Uh, found myself at the Alberta legislature, um, speaking out there. I went down to, you know, Calgary rallies, spoke there, Okotoks. Uh, I got involved with numerous different groups. I think it's really important to be supporting one another because there's so many. Was this pre-COVID, Lana, or, or sort of in the pandemic era? Um, this was like during the pandemic as okay. it was just starting though, mm-hmm. like I was definitely involved right from the get go. Right. You know? Um, and it cost me a lot. There's no doubt. Lots of friends and family thought I was, mm-hmm. you know, you know, being ridiculous, speaking out and doing things differently than they were doing. But yeah, yeah so that's how I got involved. And what you were mentioning there with, uh, the police file. So, you know, there's a lot of people in this whole uh, thing that are trying to find solutions. And I love people who are like, okay, this is where we're at. What are we going to do? And Mm -hmm. I had three other moms and one of which is a nurse uh, come to me and say, you know, how, what can we do? Like, we got to do something to expose what's happening. And a lot of the data with AHS seemed really off. And this is very early in this whole thing. And so we actually put together some very strong documentation and evidence. um, And we presented it to our local police and asked them to look and asked them to investigate. Um, So we actually still have an open file with the Edmonton asking them to look into 
um, some potential crimes, right? Like they have to choose if they're gonna investigate it, but we gave them a huge package of information. They did open a file. It is open here in Edmonton. It has not been closed. And we've been handing them more and more evidence, but there's been nothing done, which is- As really far as you can tell, no one's investigating, unfortunately. Yep, exactly. It's been frustrating. So that was one of my biggest first efforts with three other moms that we were just like, we got to do something. Uh, and then I've been doing other, you know, many different campaigns and trying to help wherever I can, really. Yeah. So um, you also got involved with James uh, Top and yeah. Canada Marches. You want to talk about that? That must have been an incredible experience. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. So when I saw James uh, video, he put out an initial video, which I'm sure many Canadians have seen, and that he was announcing that he was going to march across Canada. And I saw it very early and I immediately reached out to them and just said, hey, how can I help? as you move across the country, and especially with working with Taking Back Our Freedoms and having volunteers in every single province and all of us working together, we are a really awesome network to be able to support them. So um, I feel blessed that I was able to connect with them and very early in the whole process, they, they were still in BC, I got to get involved. Um, I took my two oldest kids actually down to Lethbridge when they came through Alberta and we marched with James in formation, which was quite an experience experience right it's not it wasn't just walking let me tell you right it was marching mm -hmm. with purpose um so and I got to spend a whole weekend with James and his incredible Canada marches to, uh, group um you know and his right hand person Christian and it was just phenomenal and him and I both spoke at the Calgary rally together and then we were able to you know even though he left through Alberta where I am we were able to support them all along the journey right through to the end even trying to help them with uh getting some acknowledgement and meeting with some of our elected officials like you know so it was a really amazing thing to be a part of and I still get to connect with them actually even now because we have a really I think we have a bond and a friendship that I'll, I'll cherish forever so I, I read that you were involved with something called the Canadian Citizens Coalition or C3, which uh, James spearheaded. Um, and this is, it says to, to come in together to unite, organize, pool resources, people, ideas, communications, so we can work powerfully as a unit with United Front. So do you want to talk about how that sort of fits in with an organization like uh, Take Back Our Freedoms? How, how, how do they, how do these different, uh, networks fit together or is that part of what you're trying to do is knit different groups together to perform to to form a network or networks uh that are doing similar type of of work on behalf of individuals and groups in Canada yeah that's exactly it so I think one of my biggest roles with taking back our freedoms is to connect with other groups and other people that are you know, like-minded and really are trying to stand up for a, a free and democratic future for our children. And uh, so it could, this uh, Canadian Citizens Coalition was a part of that, especially during James March. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had Vets for Freedom, Police on Guard, Mounties for Freedom, you know, Vaccine Choice Canada, Taking Back Our Freedoms. We had Mama Bears Project. We had numerous groups come together to support prior to him even getting into the Ontario area. And, you know, James said a really powerful thing in Alberta when I was marching with him in Lethbridge, he took a, we had a break and he said, listen, our opposition is highly organized and united. So we need to get highly organized and united. And it really stuck with me. So one of my biggest goals has been to try to unite people 
You know, one of the biggest things that is against us right now is the division within our own team, if you will. And I know a lot about teams playing as a right. level athlete, right? When you right. have infighting on your team, you're not going to win. It's very right. difficult. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so that's where that, that came from. That's a great point. And we had uh, the incomparable George Barris on this program before. Um, I know you you know him very well. And But this division, this uh, sort of... Um, in fighting, uh, where does it where does it come from? What are what are we fighting about exactly, in your view? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Well, um, I think a lot of it is distraction. To be honest, you know, mm-hmm. if we're fighting one another, we're not united and fighting the bigger right. issues. That Divide and conquer. Did. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a part of the plan. You know, I think that's been one of the most important things that, you know, the World Economic Forum and some of the other, you know, groups have been trying to do. And the reality is I actually saw a meme just this morning that had like a king and queen up above all the people. And it said, you know, how will we control them? And the answer was, well, you just let the people with the torches think that the people with the pitchforks are coming to get them and they'll do the job themselves. And it really landed for me because I was like, whoa, that's the kind of stuff we cannot do. Um, Because if we do, we're actually playing right into their agenda. We're we're Mm -hmm. like the marionettes, right? But the puppets Mm -hmm. being played if we continue to fight one another with the different distractions. So, you know, that I, I, and what are we fighting against? My goodness, we're people, we're going to all have a bunch of differences, right? And Mm -hmm. so when people focus in on the differences, instead of the unity and the goal and the things we have in common, you know, if we're not personally developed, this, this evil around us will show the shadow of ourselves and we'll get into the division. And Mm -hmm. so I've been talking a lot about that too, because I'm like, gosh, I really committed in 2023 to do everything I could to support unity and make sure I'm checking myself that I'm not contributing to any division. Because if I do, I'm just a World Economic Forum puppet and I will not play their game. Right. Um, was the origin of Take Back Our Freedoms, uh, did it surround the the lockdowns per se, or is it focused on uh, you know fighting the the vaccine mandates and things of that nature? Yeah, so taking back our freedoms um, came about a, about a year and a half ago, and it was just prior, like it was about September, I believe, 2021, right in there, when it was founded. And it definitely was about the mandates, um, you know, about what was was coming, the, the discrimination for people that were wanting to just stand in their body autonomy. And so, you know, taking back our freedoms definitely got very, very active um in in that whole fight and then also with the freedom convoy um so with vaccine mandates it was a huge focus uh and then also since then we've kind of been reshifting what our focus is because you know we, we don't have mandates at the moment but the impact is still here you know right people forget that right like people can't still can't travel to the united states right now mm-hmm. like you know there's people that haven't been accepted back into their jobs depending what province you're in, you're on like gag orders with like Bill 36 in British Columbia, right? So Mm -hmm. there's this is still impacting us in profound ways. And like you mentioned before, they're still wanting us to do these injections. There's still Mm -hmm. that push. So we're here to to continue, you know, fighting for Canadians. And I think on many different fronts, because when you realize that this wasn't just about COVID, in, in my opinion, that was the Trojan horse that brought in 
the ability to bring in all of these other chaotic things that are happening globally and in right. society. They're all connected. So mm -hmm. we cannot stop is, is how I view that. Yeah, no, I think that's that's very true. And I think, uh, unfortunately, the, the perception is that uh, we're through COVID and it's all behind us. But I was just reading a story the other day about uh, a group of athletes, Indigenous athletes who cannot attend an upcoming an upcoming national event because they aren't vaccinated. Okay. There are still universities uh, in this country that will not allow students to participate to attend classes. Um, very famously, um, uh, Novak Djokovic, who is the, uh, who I guess is the tennis equivalent of yourself. Uh, he can't attend, he can't attend a big tournament in Florida right now because he can't get access into the United States. So yep. the, all these things are not behind us, are they? They're still very much in front. And, and the other thing that's going on, uh, it, that we really don't know much about because it's sort of cloud or shrouded in. In, in controversy and uh, an obscurity is what is this World Health Organization uh, pandemic treaty? Uh, is it a cessation of uh, of sovereignty to to some cabal world worldwide uh, cabal that is going to uh, make every nation in in the world bend their knee and take directions from unelected uh, quote unquote leaders? So there's a lot to be concerned about still, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think even more. Um, and I think the difference, though, is, you know, humans are really interesting when things are impacting you personally, and you're feeling it, like, let's say right. you can't go to a restaurant, right? Or you can't go, mm. you know, I spent days where I would sit in my car crying, because I couldn't watch my son play hockey, you know, I would send yes. him in with a friend. I was there. I yeah. yeah, and I would yeah. sit in the car and cry. Um, yeah. You know, like, and that might not seem like a big deal to people, but I, I would urge every parent to think about the impact of that. Like I, the things that went through my head, what if he gets hurt and I'm not there, right? What if someone takes him? <laughs> I'm no longer protecting him. Like I felt like I was giving up my, you know, parental guidance for him, you know, and then just the fact that I was obviously not living in a free country. If I cannot watch my child play hockey which is like this, the love sport mm -hmm. of Canada, um, you know, and then so many things, people not having their jobs, access to their jobs. I had so many of my nurse friends lose their, their livelihoods, right? And then one of the ones that just gets me the most is how we treated our elderly, like oh, people yeah. dying alone, mm -hmm. like, and, and, you know, for, for many elderly, yeah. the only hope they have getting them through the day is seeing their grandbabies and seeing their kids coming to visit them. And we didn't, didn't stand up for them, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that to me is that impact causes people to act because it's affecting you right now. It's uncomfortable. You're going to, you know, so there was a lot of people that were standing up especially when they became brave with other people standing up, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I think the freedom convoy did that for a lot of people where they're like, Whoa, I'm not alone. Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of us that feel this way. And now I have the courage to stand up because other people are standing up and we had major restrictions in our life. So some of those things may be lifting right now, but to think that this is, is over or that there isn't more, like more evil things coming down the pipe, like you mentioned with the World Health Organization, mm -hmm. like that is absolutely insane that we could have an unelected body dictate what we're going to have to do in like a one world kind of government like that is that should scare the pants off of everybody and mm -hmm. it's not happening right this moment, but that's when we need to be standing up is now 
you know, I've, I've always wondered, it's so weird how we let things get so bad before we stand up. And people are like that with their health as well, mm-hmm. right? We let things get really bad before it, when it's so uncomfortable. And that's when we decide that we better act. Mm-hmm. I would urge mm-hmm. everybody to act now before things are totally off the rails and it's really hard to get back. I'm in the camp that says that things are getting pretty bad. Uh, I noticed in, in Edmonton, not far from where you live, um, they're, they're contemplating uh, imposition of the World Economic Forum 15-minute city model, yeah. uh, which would be very, very restrictive of individual liberty and, and freedom. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, we see suppression of freedom also in the city of Calgary, where peaceful protest is being suppressed. Christian pastors cannot object to drag queen story hours. Yeah. Um, so there, there's still very much for organizations like Take Back Our Freedoms to do, isn't there? Oh, there's so much work for us to do. And we need more people to get involved too, though. And like you said, like, we can't just sit back and, and wait till it's like horrible <laughs> to take mm-hmm. action. Now the time, like these sort of things that you just described, that should scare people. Like it scares me. The thought mm-hmm. of being combined, combined, uh, confined into like 15 minute you know, blocks in a city like that Mm -hmm. is absolutely bananas. Right. And I know it's being marketed to people as it's convenient and it's, it promotes community and, you know, it's so helpful. I I even saw on the Edmonton website about this and the, the statement just made me shiver. And it actually said the statement that this is for the greater good. That's oh, yes. the same kind of stuff that we've heard <laughs> with COVID marketing yep. in propaganda. Yes. So we need to see these signs that they don't have our best interests in mind, no matter how they're trying to market this. Mm-hmm. They are not. So yeah, we need many more people to get in the game. So that are right. back in the game if they kind of took a you know seat back. Mm-hmm. And I know it's been exhausting and tiring. It's yes. been challenging. So I understand that and needing to rest and take care of yourself, but we got to get people using their voices and it, mm-hmm. and when one person uses their voice, it, it really inspires others to do the same. And that's what we need. You, you mentioned how, um, during COVID, we really didn't do a very good job of taking care of the elderly. Mm-hmm. Many of the, the things that, that we did, when I say we, I'm talking about governments and schools and things like that, uh, really, really harmed children a lot too. Yes, we're still doing that. There, the the these uh, vaccinations are still being pushed on kids. Yeah, um, is that alarming for you? Oh, very much. Um, but also, that was the plan all along. Because if they could get the vaccinations on the childhood schedule, it's pretty much in there. Like it's a done deal. Right. So yeah. that was the goal all along. And, you know, we have to, if we go back many, many decades to, you know, creating this whole system where they really try to create customers for life from right. the newborn stage, you know, they, they try to inject babies right as soon as they come out, they start yeah. doing things that interfere with the natural process. And that then causes people to slowly become sicker and sicker. So you're literally reliant on Western medicine which is not a great existence, if you ask me. Being on a mm-hmm. bunch of medications and, and all these things, like some are out of necessity. I get that. I'm not a complete freak show. There's a time and a place for everything. Right. But the, the fact that we are being molded into this, you know, literally a pharmaceutical customer for life kind of model, it should alarm people. And they are trying to get the babies. So we have to be in the way. Like, that's what I see for me as a mom. I'm the mama bear and I'm in the way. 
I'm their worst nightmare. Like I birthed at home with my babies. <laughs> you know, I try to do all the things that they think they say that those people are crazy and they're putting their children at risk. And I, I would like to argue that my children are four of the healthiest children that I know, you know, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we got to be in the way. Yeah. Like yeah. the way we treated our children and our elderly, it's, it's disturbing. And I really wish it would have caused more people to, to take notice and be like, this is not right. I want to talk a little bit more about your work as a blood microscopist, as a scientist. Um, before we do that, I want to mention a few quotations from uh, some quote-unquote fringe doctors who happen to agree with you. One of them is Dr. Robert Malone, who was on this program recently. He said that what happens to confidence in public health uh, and the government if ivermectin turns out to be safe and effective for COVID and the genetic vaccines turn out to have significant safety issues. This looks like a very plausible scenario from where I sit. That was from June of 2021. Uh, Dr. Martin Kuldorf, Professor Martin Kuldorf, uh, who's an epidemiologist, you probably know, he said this, people should be able to express their views freely in society, whoever they are. And there's actually a lot of people who are not scientists who have very insightful thoughts about the pandemic. And one of the principles of public health, many of which have been thrown out the window during uh, the pandemic, is that you have to listen to the public. And finally, from Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who's also a friend of the show, he said Anthony Fauci's performance has been an abdication of responsibility. So just framing that, tell us about your work as a blood microscopist and, and what are you learning about how these vaccines are impacting uh, human blood? Yeah. Well, so this, uh, I was really trying to look into a way that I could help people even further with mm -hmm. what, you know, some of the nutrition and background and supplementation and, you know, natural ways of living. Right. And, and so I was actually, uh, exposed to a friend and she's now a friend of mine and my mentor who's a naturopath and also has been doing blood microscopy for almost 17 years. And I asked her, I'm like, wow, like, this is so fascinating. I had heard about blood analysis. It's been used for a long, long time. Um, and I said, you know, could I do that? And could I take the schooling for that? And she's like, absolutely. And I think you should because of all your background that you have. So I chose to go back to school intensively and do that. And uh, got myself a big fancy microscope, which I'd worked on, you know, in my early years uh, with some microscope work with my science background and also in chiropractic school. Uh, so I feel like I kind of went back to some of my roots with that but it, it has been unbelievable to look at the cells under the microscope you know I've, I've also been a real nerd my whole life <laughs> like I love school um you know I was one of my most proud things is not only was an, I an all Canadian for volleyball but I was an academic all Canadian which meant I held honors throughout my whole university degree and so I love science and I love the nerdy stuff and researching so it's something I've done my whole life so when you're studying the cell like that's the basic unit of life so to be able to take a little drop of blood from someone put it under the microscope look at it on the screen and show them what's going on and then to gather the insights on what's happening how the internal environment is is going to reflect on the outside Right. If there's things that are not well on the inside, it is going to express on the outside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it has been really incredible um, to look at that um, and alarming. Like you mentioned, I've seen some things that I have had to keep my calm because I'm like, that is shocking, shocking. Right. Yeah. You're, you're part of something called um, True Health and, and Wellness. 
uh, which, as you say, looks at health from the inside out. But I saw a couple of um, slides that you you posted on on Twitter, and these just look bizarre. Uh, yes. What what do you what do you I mean you're a scientist. What do you suppose is happening at at the molecular level in our blood uh, yeah. in reaction to these vaccines? Do you have any idea? Well, and I, that's a good point too, is like, we're still in an experiment. Like I remind people of that all the time. So we're learning. And I think that's another important thing when people are scientifically minded and they want to study things, you have to understand it's a process. Like I was taught that my whole life, right? And right. the point of science is to question, but yet in the last few years- Unless you're Dr. Fauci, because right. he is the seed of science. He is the science. Right. Don't question me. And again, that should have woken some people up too, because science is never settled. It's never right. settled. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're in an experiment and we're seeing different things and we're trying to understand what we are seeing. There is a lot of heavy metal um, particulates in people's blood, a lot of strangely colored crystals um, that we're seeing. Uh, also a lot of, um, parasitic organisms and very strange things that come together to form bigger structures. Uh, there, I've seen some things that look so almost like pine needles, like jagged, wow. like very rough and intense, like metallic, almost like glass shards and mm -hmm. big organized structures in people's blood. Um, and it's shocking. And at times I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at to be honest, like I have sent this to my mentors and said, what is this? And mm -hmm. they've been studying this for 35 years, one mentor and another 17. And even they are like, whoa, like mm -hmm. these are things we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely unusual things. Um, there's also patterns with the immune system itself. And that's what I'm really trying to focus on is helping people to reclaim their health and be as radically healthy as you can and boost mm -hmm. your immune system big time. That's what we need to do right now. And unfortunately, you know, the injections and even the virus itself really, really assaulted people's immune systems. So their white mm -hmm. blood cells and their homeland security, if you will. And unfortunately, the more and more, you know, boosters and injections people get, it appears that they have less and less white blood cells in their blood. So that means you're walking around with very little of your homeland security. And we're walking around in a slew of viruses and bacteria all the time. And that's what right. your immune system is for. We are mm -hmm. powerfully and fiercely and brilliantly made, right? right. But if we assault our, our immune systems, that is really challenging to recover from. So, but there are things we can do. And I'm trying to really focus on that, mm. you know, help people be strong and reclaim our health. So there is a way for, there are ways for people to boost their immune systems. Even if they have taken the vaccinations, there are ways to improve uh, health, even, even in spite of having, uh, you know, let, let's say someone's had a, a very adverse reaction or is suffering from chronically poor health. There are things that they can do the natural ways of, of improving health, even in that situation? Yeah, there are steps. Um, you know, it'll be a process of healing. I, I really, that's another thing I feel like people have forgotten is that healing is a process. So, 
you know, in our fast food nation, everybody wants healing yesterday. We <laughs> want things to be immediate. Like you want right. to lose weight yesterday. Well, that's not how it works. Um, right. It's going to be a process, but there are things you can do, you know, focusing on our diet, for instance, you know, eating as anti-inflammatory as we can, cutting out the things that aren't good for us, which most of us know what those are. It's just humans mm -hmm. tend not to do those things. Uh, right. but that is a really powerful way. And, and even, you know, accessing your food from people around you, like farmers markets and local farmers, like get good food sources is really powerful. And then there are some supplements and things that people can do to really um, decrease inflammation and, and mitigate some of the damage. Um, but again, we're in an experiment, like, do we know how long the spike, produ uh, spike protein production happens? That's not, we don't totally know. Mm -hmm. We don't know all the fallout yet. Right. And I don't think we are going to know for a number of years, if not decades, we have, we don't truly know what the impact is on, for instance, fertility in mm -hmm. young children and kids, right. We've right. injected them now. We don't know. So, yeah. mm -hmm. so that, that this is. Part of part of being free, uh, I guess, at the individual level is being is being healthy, though, isn't it? That's part of taking back your freedom, is being free of uh, of of let's say, um, uh, you know, public health, where you're not reliant upon uh, medicine. Uh, you you where you you're you have a proper diet, you're getting exercise, you're getting your vitamin D or or things of that nature. That's a form of freedom too, isn't it? That's very important. People overlook that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's some little things that people can do too. You know, I think the last few years have been enormously stressful for people on top of regular life stress. We've had this, like, you know, I tell my kids, I'm like, I never saw, I never thought that I'd be fighting global crime and they laugh at me. Right. <laughs> but it's very stressful. So the effects of that are major, but at the same time, I think it's really important for people to get reconnected with loved ones and be connected to community. Mm -hmm. They wanted us, you know, to socially distance, but that was actually social conditioning of separation. Like we need right. to come back. We need to hug, you know, we need to like get outside. We need to do things that bring us joy. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. I think the last three years sucked a lot of joy out of human beings. So we have to, again, don't play into that agenda do things that bring you joy, do things mm -hmm. that make you healthy. You're very difficult to control when you're healthy and strong. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a big part of my message. You know, you just look at animals. It's unfortunately the young or the weak that will get, you know, eaten in nature, right? right? So right. let's take care of our young and then let's all be healthy so that we are strong together. So yeah, yeah that's my definite focus. So, yeah. and I'd love in, across the country. And I know in Alberta where we're at, you know, there's some incredible groups forming like mm -hmm. food cooperatives and, you know, you have unity health in the Edmonton area and YYC rocks in the Calgary and Southern zone that are creating almost, I don't want to say alternative because that's not the right way, but like a parallel healthcare that people can access, especially when they feel um, mistrustful, because let's mm -hmm. be honest, trust has been broken in, in for people right. in the mainstream medicine. So, right. um, you know, I know my dear friend, Sherry Strong, she's with the Children's Health Defense, like her and I are uh, joining up together to do a traveling health road show through Alberta. So we're going to oh, hit Prairie 
yeah, going to hit Grand Prairie soon. We're going to go to Lloyd. Um, we have already done one in Edmonton. Uh, you know, we're going to go all over the province and really empowering people on how they can reclaim their health and wellness. So there's great things oh, happening too. That's brilliant. That, that's exactly. I hope you're coming. Are you coming to Cold Lake perhaps? Maybe we'll see. Okay. I've, I've never been to Cold Lake and it looks beautiful. So <laughs> yeah, you know, we'd love to have you there in the summertime. Dr. Dr. Thomas Soule of the Hoover Institute in the U.S. is, for my money, one of the most brilliant uh, people in the world. He's an economist. He, he, he's written several books about racism. He's actually a, a 92-year-old black man who grew up in Harlem in the 1930s and 40s, so he knows something about real racism. He says yeah. racism today is a label, that, is a simplistic label that we put on a bunch of problems that if we really were serious and thought, hard enough about, we could actually do something to solve, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, when you talk about um, racism in the context of overpopulation of Indigenous uh, men or or women in Canada, uh, that's a simplistic label. We say, well, that's because of racism, but that slapping that label on it isn't helping anyone. Whereas if we went and we looked at things like poverty, if we looked at fatherlessness, if we looked at, uh, you know, the, the, the even things like water and availability of, of, uh, of, of daily bread on reserves, we might be able to do something about all those problems if we really thought about them when we really wanted to work on them. And so racism is sort of, that's his description. I think that's the best definition of racism there is. Because yeah. you can call someone a racist, but once you do that and you give them their label, who have you helped? Exactly. Nobody, right? That is so, oh, I, thanks for sharing that with me. Cause I think that's bang on. And, and, you know, to me, what popped in my head as well, (laughs) pardon me, is, you know, even in the kind of an analogy for me would be Western medicine loves to slap a label on people, right? Like you get a diagnosis or like, this Mm -hmm. is what you have. Okay. But why is that happening? And what do I do about it? Right. That's the most important piece that is so lacking in healthcare and clearly in society, like you just described. So these things are symptoms of these bigger causes underneath that people really got to dive into if we want to make a shift and a change. And we could solve them if we really tried, if we really were serious about it. Yeah. So uh, this has been wonderful, uh, uh, Lana. Um, on our program, we have something called a reading list. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to maybe think of uh, uh, of a book or two that you think would be useful or inspiring to people watching this podcast. I'm going to go first to give you a little bit of time to collect okay. your thoughts. And I have a couple of books that uh, you've probably you've probably heard of. Uh, one is called uh, Canada's COVID: The Story of a Pandemic Moral Panic. This this one just came out recently, actually. Uh, and this book deals with the political and social dimensions of the reaction to COVID-19, the moral panic accompanying and compounding the medical and public health responses to COVID remains a prominent feature of Canadian public policy, even after three years. And this book explores the question of why policymakers persist in promoting fear, which you talked about today. Uh, this is a political question, not a question of epidemiology. Uh, without disputing the seriousness of COVID-19 for some Canadians, this book finds the overall national response to COVID has been excessive. And the book also goes into detail in talking about the truckers' convoy in the winter of 2022, the questions that the government remains unprepared to answer, and, uh, of course, those who have embraced what we call what they call the plague story, which I think you talked about a little bit today, 
including the subsidized media, uh, where uh, we see nothing wrong with the state deploying despotic measures and undermining citizens' rights. This plague story depends on deference to authoritative experts and those who claim to govern with the support of medical pronouncements protect themselves and not the public from criticism and give themselves license to damage Canadians individually and collectively with some impunity. So that's one book. The second one is uh, is called The New Abnormal, The Rise of the Biomedical Security State. This book was published last November. It's by um, a doctor named Aaron uh, Cariardi. He was an MD. And uh, here, this book says that the coronavirus pandemic conferred enormous power on certain government officials, as we know, uh, and they have no intention of giving it up, which is also clear. Uh, and uh, this book says that in the space of a few weeks in early 2020, uh, the world witnessed the imposition of previously unimagined social controls by the biomedical security state, the unelected technocrats who suddenly enjoyed nearly absolute power to incarcerate, isolate, and medicate the entire population. Uh, and in this chilling book, a dissident scientist reveals the people and organizations that formed the biomedical security state uh, the role uh, in the origin of the pandemic and shaping the government response that this played, why it is a threat to science, public health, and individual freedom, and what can be done to confront and defeat this uh, Leviathan. So, and he says that it's time for us all to fight back. The deadly and arrogant misrule of the biomedical security state must not become the new normal, which is, uh, I think, ties right into take back our freedoms and some of the other work that you're doing. So those are a couple of recommendations that uh, we've made based upon uh, who you are and, and what you're doing. Are there any, awesome. any books or, or other sources of information, a website or anything like that, that you might want to point uh, people to that, that you think that uh, might, be, might be useful to them and in mm -hmm. furthering their understanding of some of the things that we've been talking about today? Yeah. Well, and I'm often like reading multiple different subjects, right? And I pick them up depending on my mood, things like that. I love to read. Uh, but, you know, a couple ones that I'm reading right now, and you pro I'm sure you've heard of this one, but The Psychology of Totalitarianism. Oh, yes. Uh, assessment. Uh, yes, yes. Actually, uh, not yeah. to interrupt you, sorry, but uh, yes, this book ahead. we talked about quite a bit when Dr. Malone was on. Mm -hmm. uh, because Dr. Malone, as you, as you know, uh, he talked about that book and it created some controversy when he was on another podcast, a much more famous podcast, about a year ago. Uh, so anyway, sorry, please continue. That's a that's a great book. I just finished reading it, actually. Yeah, so I'm partway through it, um, you know, but it's helped me to understand and also have more compassion for people around mm -hmm. me with mm -hmm. the choices that they made. Because when you have constant bombardment of marketing and propaganda and this free floating fear and anxiety that you feel like you don't have control of, you know, right. it's amazing what can be done to manipulate a human being's mind. Uh, mm -hmm. So that is an eye opener. And I think it's very powerful read. Um, another one, I'll just uh, kind of share a local author that I, is just wonderful. His name is Donald Lee. And his book is called What the Hell is Going On? He's an <laughs> Great title. <laughs> yeah, so it's a great book. And uh, so just to share that, um, we'd love to, you know, just plug him because he's an amazing man. And he wrote this book and poured his heart into it as well. Um, another one that is really eye-opening for health and wellness is actually from someone who was a mentor of mine and, and was one of my instructors when I was in chiropractic school. But Bruce Lipton, The Biology of Belief. And he is an mm. epigeneticist. So 
So studying what actually triggers certain genes to turn on and not turn on and how our environment and the thoughts that we think actually control uh, the expression of our life and our health. So that's a really powerful one. Uh, and then my mentor, actually, Roxanne Harris, she's got a brand new book out called Audaciously Alive. So I'll leave that one there because wow. she's phenomenal and taught me a lot um, and, and has helped me so much in how I'm, you know, helping others right now and serving them to, to greater health and wellness. So well, that's great. Thanks for those. They'll all be added to our uh, reading list. Uh, incidentally, um, uh, Matthias Desmond has a new book coming out that's uh, shrouded in some secrecy because he's taken so much uh, public abuse over his last one. And uh, we actually had uh, Dr. Eric Payne on mm -hmm. this program, and he was talking about, I was really, really uh, just blown away to hear him talk about how genes can be turned on and turned off now. Uh, yes. so that they can be either, you know, either suppressed or, or accentuated really That's just great. incredible, incredible stuff. And of course, very dangerous and horrifying in the, in the wrong, in the wrong hands, you know, That's it's great. almost like a Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, if you think, if, yeah. if it's put in the, in the wrong perspective in the wrong hands. Well, anyway, that's why there was supposed to be um, laws and protection against bioweapons, right? Is for that yeah. exact reason. So um, mm -hmm. it is alarming. So yeah. yeah. And and wow, Dr. Payne is someone I greatly respect. That, but yes. He's yes. He's a, he's a big brain. There's no yes. question about it. Um, this has been just great. Uh, I'm so, I'm so grateful for your, for your time and for visiting with us today. We've learned a lot about you and what you're doing. And uh, I think it's very inspiring for people. I hope it is for the people who watch, uh, who watch our show to know there are people out there like you who are just so dedicated to working on behalf of uh, Albertans and all Canadians in the cause of, of health and freedom, which really uh, are inextricable. And uh, so thank you so much for being our special guest today, Dr. Nichol. Oh, my pleasure. And, you know, if anyone wants to find me, they can find me on cellfood.ca with a couple other nurses in Alberta that are doing similar to what I'm doing. Um, and then we actually, just to share, we're working on a national directory of people who do the live and dried cell blood analysis and microscopy oh, across great. the country so that people can um, find someone who can help them in their area. So we'll we'll get that together and have it on, on our website uh, very soon so you can get yeah. help that you need to. Yeah, I'll just mention too, if people are, are interested, they should visit your, your your Twitter page and look at some of these uh some of these slides that you have there. It uh it, it really is uh it really is bizarre. It looks more like a like a Vincent van Gogh painting than than something that should be in people's blood. Yes. So um yeah, anyway, thanks <laughs> so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and you don't have to have much education, though, to know, like in, in that specific topic, to know that that's not supposed to be in our blood. No, it's sort of like Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks. Thanks again for being with us. Thank you so much, Leighton. And keep up your great work. I'm so thankful for you.